0: If you're a regular listener to the Backpacking Experience podcast, you by now have heard me talk a lot about Art of the Trek. Well, I've got a new feature to talk about that Art of the Trek is rolling out. Now, sometimes finding like-minded people to go hiking with can be difficult to do. And knowing if the person that you've just connected with in an online group has the same skill level as you or has a similar hiking style can also be Something that can be kind of questionable. Now Art of the Trek is introducing their buddy feature where you are able to not only plan detailed routes on their intuitive mapping system, but you're now able to, on a secure and private form, submit information about you and your hiking style and your hiking preferences to then get matched with like-minded hikers in your area and groups of like-minded hikers in your area. So go to buddies.artofthetrek.com to start getting connected with new hiking friends in your area. There is also a direct link in the show notes to follow as well. I'm one of those people that thrives on good sleep when I go into the backcountry. I'm also the guy that cringes when I hear people are stuffing extra clothing into a stuff sack to use as a pillow. It just doesn't work for me. And so what I say is just give yourself a nice place to lay your head with the 2.5 ounce stretch nylon inflatable pillow from Outdoor Vitals. Outdoor Vitals is giving their next to skin comfort pillow out for free. All you have to do is pay the shipping cost. And having slept on this particular pillow myself, It really is nice to have a blow up pillow that doesn't feel like a balloon under your head. And it honestly has made for a really nice sleeping experience for a blow up pillow. And I've used a lot of different pillows in my time of backpacking. So check out the show notes for a direct link to get your free 2.5 ounce lightweight pillow from Outdoor Vitals. And a huge thank you to Outdoor Vitals for sponsoring today's episode. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Backpacking Experience podcast today. Very excited that you are here. I have got a great episode to share with you today. That is a conversation with my good friend, Dan Becker, who is a fellow YouTube creator, friend of mine. And Dan, he's just a solid dude. A really great, down-to-earth, just a, a good family guy. And the conversation that we have in this episode, we cover everything from his favorite pieces of gear currently to his uh, time out here in Utah back in February. We did a trip in Canyonlands National Park with several other YouTube creators with the company Bivy and we talk about that. We talk about uh, a little bit of YouTube stuff and just kind of uh, backpacking in general and what it's like to be a backpacking YouTube creator. So Dan is a fantastic individual, really great conversation with him. And I think you guys are going to enjoy the conversation with Dan. Now, before we jump into that conversation, I want to take a few minutes here and talk about the Highline film that is being released on April 7th, 2020. Now, if you go back a few episodes of the podcast to the interview that I had with Chris Smead. So it was like behind the scenes with Chris Smead for the Highline film. This is the film that uh, was discussed in that particular episode. So I invite you, if you haven't listened to that episode or that interview with Chris, to go back and take a listen to it because it is a fantastic listen. And Chris is an amazing guy. And What he and the others that worked on this project of the Highline film have been able to put together is simply phenomenal. So, again, the Highline film is being released on April 7th, 2020. It is currently available on DVD and Blu-ray if you are still using DVD and Blu-rays. So you can purchase that at Highlinefilm.com, but it will be released on the following streaming platforms on April 7th. It'll be available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Voodoo, Microsoft Video, and Vimeo. Now, if you are unfamiliar with what the Highline film is, let me give you a little uh, synopsis here, real quick. And then what I want to do is actually share the audio from the teaser of the film to get you guys kind of engaged in how awesome this film is. So what the Highline film covers and what it encompasses is the story of several hikers, long-distance hikers, individuals like Matt and Joe from Z-Packs, as well as you've got Plug It In that's in this film. Chris, who's the director, also hiked the Highline Trail with these guys. You've got Redbeard, and it's just... It's awesome. So these individuals, they go out here to Utah to the Uinta Highline Wilderness. And they hike the Highline Trail from the eastern terminus to the western terminus. And this is a documentary or a film story about the lives of these individual hikers. It goes into the very personal details of how they got into hiking and some of the life struggles that they have had, and just their life stories. And it's really, really a good story. And then obviously, it shares the story and the history of the High You Went to Wilderness area, and the history and the story of the Highline Trail, which is very, very cool. So, it brings all of those elements together into one film and really. It's worth your time. So again, this is being released on streaming services, Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, whatnot. Also check out Outmersive Films, who is the producer of this film. Check out their social media. I've got links for all of this in the show notes for you to be able to check it out. But what I want to do right now is share with you the audio from the teaser of this film, kind of like the, the trailer. And then after I share that, we will get right into the conversation with Dan Becker, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode today. Uinta! Now my throat hurts. Highline is the story of five friends who embark on a 10-day journey across the amazing Uinta Mountains in northern Utah. So last night, I, uh, I experienced for the first time having an elevation sickness. I threw up twice, so that was pretty rough. I got this cough that keeps getting worse and worse, so I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> We're a long way from anywhere. Some crazy storms rolled in, almost got hit by lightning. I thought I was going to
1: die. <laughs> I only hike Kings Peak, so I can call my girlfriend. <laughs> and there was no cell service, so I got hosed. This
0: was identified early on as a unique place. The geology, the history, and its importance really even to the expansion of the West. It's definitely an unsung hero. Along the way you get to know these five hikers. Each of them have unique stories. Some of them are fascinating and others are outright shocking. Ultimately, you learn why they choose to spend days, weeks, sometimes even months, hiking through the mountains away from the comforts of civilization. The trail was 104 miles with only one resupply, so we had to bring over 75 batteries. We had 11 lenses, multiple cameras. Gordy with the camera. (laughs) Dedication to the craft. We had to get really creative in production because of the restrictions in a National Forest. For example, we put the camera on the end of a trekking pole to get aerial shots. As challenging as it was to bring all this filmmaking equipment on a trail, the trail itself was even more intense. It's an amazing experience. You really get something out of it that is hard to put into words.
1: Every day was great, and the next day was even
0: better. The mountains looked so different than what we had seen, and it just kind of blew my mind. I wasn't expecting it to look like that. It looks like something out of a, a movie set or something. It's quiet, and you can work through a lot of problems, and it's just great for the soul. Wouldn't have traded it for anything. Best hike I've ever done. Best one. All right, everybody. I have my good friend Dan Becker with me here on the podcast and I am so stoked, so stoked to have Dan finally on an episode. Dan,
1: what's up? How you doing, man? What's going on? I'm doing really good, actually. I'm a little, uh, you know, cabin fever from the whole quarantine thing. Uh, But uh, other than that, doing good. Man, isn't it absolutely wild what we're going through right now? It is Wild is an understatement, like for people who love the outdoors like we do, and then to be stuck, literally stuck inside your house and the only place you can go is like your yard. It's got to be the worst thing in the world. <laughs> it's terrible. It's like prison for outdoors people. Have you been able to get out and do anything that
0: follows like responsible social distancing or are you like mandated to stay in your house?
1: Um. So here in Wisconsin... Uh, they have us on a stay at home order, which pretty much means just they're just asking people to stay at home okay. um, unless you have to go out. And so, I, you know, you can go on walks, you can go on runs, but they're just asking people to be responsible. And so I've been able to get out, ride bikes, that kind of stuff, go for walks, but in grocery store when I can. But that's about it. It's <laughs> <That's> brutal. That's, <laughs> but I'm sure everybody listening is like, yep. Yeah, me too. So, yep. <laughs> yeah. I think we're all on the same page yep. at this point of
0: what we're allowed and not allowed or supposed to be doing and not supposed to be doing. At least for me, I've been able to get out a couple times to some areas that have been totally away from people. And just in like Saturday, for example, a couple days ago, I spent, I don't know, six, seven hours. I cooked up a meal on a, on a, Fire and set up some tents, film some videos, and oh man, it was, fan- it was fantastic. It was it exactly so awesome. what I needed, but <laughs> but it was still I had to have the mindset of oh, I got to be careful, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to make sure I'm not like stopping anywhere and that I'm being responsible. And
1: oh gosh, it, and I live on the border perfect. of Wisconsin, like I'm literally five minutes from Illinois, and- okay. Illinois has the same order so it's like I can't even escape to another state <laughs> but I mean I get it you know they're trying to protect everybody and it's responsible we're trying you know trying to get rid of this thing so for that reason I'm more than happy to put up with uh any stay-at-home orders for sure. Have you been able to
0: or have you planned to set up any tents and camp and camp in your backyard?
1: Uh yeah that has definitely be on the top, have been on the top of my list especially if like For video's sake, like maybe I'll just backpack in my backyard if that's possible. (laughs) Yeah, I'll just go out there and film it, you know? Hey, you got the yard. You might as well do it, right? Yeah, exactly.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Well, right on. Hey, uh, so I know we're a few minutes into this already, but for listeners out there that do not know who Dan Becker is, you might as well give us a quick introduction. Let us know who you are, kind of where you're from, your backpacking experience and then we can continue the conversation that we're gonna have tonight
1: yeah sure um so uh I have been a backpacker for I don't know maybe five years camping my entire life but just found out about backpacking like was a thing even five years ago became legitimately obsessed and and addicted instantly um and then started a YouTube channel a little over a year ago and um that's like, it. Yeah, that's kind of what I do. So now I just, I like to backpack. So a lot <laughs> as much as I can.
0: What has the evolution of your, your backpacking been like? Um,
1: okay. So <clears throat> I started out, um, as not, I want I don't want to say a survivalist cause I wasn't a survivalist, but like the survival world was so appealing to me early on. And I think that's what sort of led me into backpacking because I was like just into gear survival type gear just fun you know just gadgets and that sort of led me into um, finding uh, people that were outside doing it like bushcrafters and things and then I wanted to do that myself and started researching and that just read led down the rabbit trail of YouTube which was like finding out that there were people that were backpackers out there like wow this is a real thing like you can actually go out and do this and yeah so then I I I started out a hammock camper that was my first trip in a hammock I did not I was not a tenter out the gate I was a hammocker out the gate and I did that for I don't know probably three or four years Um, and then my kids started coming with me and started tent camping I was then I got into the ultralight like I felt like that was just like a hobby almost like how light can I get you know Mm -hmm. um then when I realized how uncomfortable my backpacking trips were I started to just not care (laughs) (laughs) at all I'm like why am I doing this this is so stupid yeah so um I just I just started backpacking just a backpack I just stopped caring and brought whatever the heck I felt like and enjoyed it a whole lot more that way so that's been it
0: wait so so you said that you started hammock camping yep like that's that was the beginning of your of your backpacking
1: my first trip was hammock camping yep
0: so i know from just being your friend and previous conversations what you shared on youtube that you pretty instantly or immediately got into a pretty expensive nice hammock setup but was it YouTube and doing the research and watching videos that was like, oh yeah, hammocks look cool. So that's what I'm going to do.
1: Yeah. Um, I want to say it was, um, when I was researching YouTube, I fell on Tim Watson's channel somehow. And he was talking about hammock camping and I was like, Whoa, this is a thing. Like you can, Bring a hammock out there and sleep in it. Like, wow, this is great. Well, I watched enough to know that at least I needed some insulation underneath me. So I brought okay. a, I brought a, a Z light, a Thermarest Z light, like the the cordian, right, you know, right, and used that. And it was okay. I mean, it just it was terribly uncomfortable, <laughs> but it kept me warm. I mean, it wasn't cold underneath me. Um, and it was like a, it was the middle of May in Wisconsin. It was actually a warmer weekend so it wasn't that bad but yeah that was that's how it all happened it was just i my first hammock was a i want to say it's yukon territory was the company
0: oh it was like okay
1: cheap, yeah like a cheap chinese made you know crappy i didn't know any better and i just wanted to try a hammock just to try it so i bought the cheapest one i could possibly find that had a bug net on it
0: mm, okay yeah. i thought for some reason you had like started with a warp on it like a blackbird or something. No,
1: but uh, it was not long after that. I mean, it was probably a, just maybe within four or five months. I had bought a I bought a warbonnet. Gotcha, gotcha. Yep. Yeah, that's
0: so interesting because my the way that I started backpacking. Well, it's it's interesting to always hear the perspective of people, and I don't say this in any way to be like, well, I've been backpacking for so long since I was a young kid. Like that's not anytime I, I talk about my history and backpacking, that's not what I'm trying to say. But I, I didn't learn about hammocks until I don't know, three, four, five years ago. Mm. And I've been backpacking for 20 years prior to that. Mm-hmm. And tents yep. have always been my thing. And still at this point, like I've only slept in a hammock, I don't know, half a dozen to a dozen times. And yeah. I don't really find any, anything that is overly appealing about it and it's
1: it is a interesting oh gosh it's such an interesting topic altogether because there are people that are super hardcore like it's the only way to go and then there are people that are like what i feel like i've evolved into which is if it works for you great if it doesn't then you know why are you doing it and i in i i I sleep as comfortable in a hammock as I do a tent and therefore I feel like I'm leaning now towards a tent because I have the ability to um you know have my own mini house out there like I can spread out (laughs) my gear you know what I mean it's like yeah if it's raining I got somewhere to go you know what I mean it's like yeah yeah. so for me it makes more sense plus I'm bringing my kids so much that doesn't mean I'm never gonna hammock because I do enjoy the hammock experience I think it's fun to do it but a tent is even lighter too. I mean, like the whole, you've really got to buy like minimal hammock stuff to get it to be as light as a tent. It's virtually impossible. So I don't know. To me, it's just, it's to each his own. And man, I, it, it, the, the, at the end of the day, I just want to get out in the middle of the woods and camp. I could care less how I got there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like <laughs> I'll, I'll pull it on a wagon if I have to. I'm here. This is what I came to do. And that's awesome. I'm not the guy that likes to crush miles. I'm not the guy that likes to go on through hikes. I'm not the guy that likes the, you know, the extreme. I love to hike. I I, You know what I think I like about hiking? I like to hike because I feel like um, it gives me something to do while I'm out there. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, cause like, no, that's fair. Cause there's not enough, like in Wisconsin, there's a lot of places to hike that have like rivers and lakes. You could fish and that kind of stuff too. But if that's not there, like, what am I going to do? Just sit here. So I feel like, or I could be a bushcrafter. That's awesome too. But man, for me, it's like hiking is just so freeing to me.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, and that, uh, that leads into a topic that I've been pretty curious about for a long time. And we've talked about it a little bit, but I don't think that there's quite an understanding, depending on what your geographical location is of how different your trip's can be and how different backpacking is for every single person out there, depending on where you live. Yeah. And that's something that I have really enjoyed about, uh, posting YouTube videos, watching other, like just being part of the YouTube community Yeah, is to see how different things are East of the Mississippi river and the, Backpacking in state parks and yeah, like right. The Appalachian Trail in itself is so different than uh, you being on the Pacific Crest Trail, for example. If yep. you're comparing those kinds of things, but um, even even back to what we were talking about earlier with with hammocks, that you being a tent camper versus a hammock camper could be a result
1: specifically of your geographical location. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's so endless places to hammock here i mean you could you could almost any trip you wanted to out here no matter what always bring a hammock or a tent like you're you're going to be fine either way for sure
0: so i'm curious what it what it's like having spent because you you've like grown up and lived your whole life in wisconsin right yep so in many ways you don't know anything different and for me i've spent my whole life grew up I mean, I spent a little bit of time in New England, lived over there for a couple of years, so I kind of understand that, but what and now that you've actually spent some time in Utah, which I want to get to that, what what are the biggest differences from your perspective of what it's like to backpack and find trails and places to backpack in Wisconsin versus other places that you've had the opportunity to go?
1: You know how like when you went on vacation when you were a kid and you like Mm -hmm. went to like, I don't know, just some, you know, fun vacation location near you. But then that one time in your life you went to Disney World and it was like amazing. (laughs) That's to me like the difference between the Midwest and the West as far as epicness. It's like the bucket list hike for the Midwestern people. Like this is what we want to see like experience from a visual standpoint, you know. Um, and, you know, what I experienced with you out there was the freedom to um, do and go essentially, you know, wherever you wanted to, to a great degree. Here you can't do that. Um, but in, you know, I mean, it's from an, from an experience standpoint, it's, it's mainly the actual experience of what you're seeing more than anything I would think.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So for, well, let me ask this when Dan Becker is going to plan a trip in Wisconsin, what does a weekend trip plan look like? What is that? What is that process like for Wisconsin?
1: It's, it's, um, very limiting, very. Yeah. Okay. So here, at least in the Southern two thirds of the state, um, you have to reserve campsites to camp at. And when I say reserve campsites, I mean like imagine going car camping and you're reserving a site. And when you reserve that site, nobody else can go there but you because you've paid money to stay there. That's Ah. literally what you're doing here in Wisconsin. So they have sites that you, like the shelters in Wisconsin, the very few shelters that there are, because there are very few shelters. There's maybe like 10 at most. And the entire state, you have to, you have to reserve the shelter and that's it. If it's reserved, you're technically not able to stay there. I know there, if you come up on a shelter and there's people there, they may be nice and let you stay there with them, but you know, you're basically, you know, invading somebody else's campsite at that point. So, and that also plays a role into like, well, how far can I camp now? Cause this shelter was reserved and the next one's not another, it's like another 15 miles out. What am I going to do? Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Like, how am I going to, how am I going to ha- So, well, I guess I'll just go another weekend you know? So, uh, and then if you got kids, that makes it even worse. So, um, the alternative is I can go to Michigan where there's a lot more free, uh, range to camp, I guess, like there's a little bit more leeway in that regard. Like the little, you know, you don't have to reserve as many spots in some of the locations or I can go to Indiana. There's, so it's a little bit like that, but then I'm looking at five, six, seven, eight hour drives. Wow. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's very limiting. So. Like on my channel, when I, on my YouTube channel, when I talk about like, well, hey, I did this uh, weekend backpacking trip and I hiked 11 miles. People are like, what? I do that in like, you know, three hours. Right, right. I'm like, well, good for you. <laughs> Come <Yeah>. to Wisconsin <laughs> and try that. You just can't do it because you know, you're, you're locked into uh, where you are. So it's, it's, I, it would be nice if they didn't do that because what it does is it causes people to stealth camp. And they don't want people stealth camping. You know, they're trying to stop that. And you know,
0: just, is that just, because you're primarily stealth camping on
1: potentially private land, or well, they're how? all it's all it's all um, state parks. There's no okay. national parks in Wisconsin. Um, I, I don't know. I, I I I'm I guess I'm not that educated. On it. I'm not really sure the real reason why they don't want people to do it. Um, other than you know, they're trying to preserve and manage the use and keep yeah. people
0: in certain yeah. areas.
1: Yeah, I would think so. But in the in the state parks really aren't that big. I mean, they're they're it's nothing like what you would uh, what I experienced in Utah where it, like the entire state is a <laughs> like a camping like, you, you know that's what I felt like. It's like you know, you can camp anywhere. And uh here it's the the state parks are, you know, by by scale much 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 smaller. So I think that's what they're trying to Accomplished with that. But on the northern part of the state, though, like, you know, I got to drive maybe three and a half, four hours at the least, you know, to find uh, places where you, the, at, there are state parks where you can camp anywhere you want, but, you know, they, it's not, <laughs> it's not the best camping. You know, a lot of it's marsh, swampy. Um, there are some nice places, but, you know, it's, you got to know the area to be able to do it.
0: Well, and there's so much water up in that area of the state that it's probably catered better to canoeing, kayaking. Yep. Kind of that kind of, yep, for sure. Camping experience where you're doing kayak touring or, or that kind of thing as opposed to actual backpacking. Yep. I mean, isn't is isn't the boundary waters up in that, in that area pretty close?
1: Yeah. So that's uh Northern Minnesota. Yep. Oh, okay. So yep. I mean, that's, that's direction. probably a good, from where I'm at, that's, that's a, that's a good probably 10 hour drive. eight to Oh, 10 hour drive. okay. Yeah.
0: See, I have my Midwest geology, like <laughs> not geology, geography, geography. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally nailed down. In fact, I don't, I don't even remember which state it is. Is it, is it Michigan that has like that whole other peninsula that comes up on the, yep. the top part? Yep. And for the longest time in my life, I was like, that's part of the United States, <laughs>
1: yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm sure I'm not the only one that that ever thought that. <laughs> well, I do a lot of hiking in Michigan because it's just it's so there's so much more lenient up there with that kind of stuff, and it's just you're there's more uh land to hike there, I feel like. So, what so. are
0: some of the what are some of the best
1: trails that are within that kind of general region? Um, yeah, so like close to me, there's, there's a couple state parks that are, that are nice. Um, it's called the kettle Moraine. Um, that's within about an hour, hour and a half drive for me. And then the next closest place for me is probably going to be something like, um, you know, like the Manistee river trail over in Michigan, or I can get up to pictured rocks in Michigan in like six hours. Um, over in Indiana, I can get to like the Hoosier national forest in about six hours. Um, if I wanted to get up to to the superior hiking trail, that's probably six to eight hour drive. I don't know. I've never been there, but that's about what it is. So it's, yeah, there's some really decent places to hike for sure. But, um, you know, when, when, when you've been in the woods, everything looks the same, you know, it's like, it's, there's, there's places that have, um, you know, characteristics about them, like Pictured Rocks is just one of those places where it's just, okay, this is totally different. But like, if I'm going to hike the Kettle Moraine versus the Hoosier National Forest versus, you know, maybe something else, it's it's all pine and birch and, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> eventually you're like, wasn't I just here? Oh no, that was Wisconsin last weekend. So, you know, it's just a matter of, I guess I'm somewhere else now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's
0: really interesting. So I guess moving on, I'm curious behind a like the motivation of getting out to Utah. And let's talk about that trip to Canyonlands National Park that you and I and a few other people did together. Yeah. But ultimately, what was like the motivation for you to come out to Utah and do that trip?
1: I mean, you, Utah, and you know, is like, who doesn't want to go to Utah and hike? I mean, you'd be insane. <laughs> so I'm not going to argue against that, <laughs> right? I mean, it's like that Disneyland hike, you know. It's like the vacation your parents finally took, you know. And so uh, I think that was that was exciting. Plus, to meet everybody, and then, um, you know. Canyonlands, I mean, Canyonlands, oh my gosh. It's like a mini Grand Canyon.
0: Yeah, yeah, it totally is. Well, and I guess to give everybody that's listening a little bit of backstory here, so Dan and I both run YouTube channels and we we were able to connect with the company Bivy who produces a product called the Bivy Stick and they were needing some... uh, they had basically reached out to us to provide some content on a new device that they're releasing. Right. Yep. And so, um, part of the motivation was that, I mean, I had always been trying to get Dan out here with me to do some hiking. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, I, I guess like, I'm kind of answering the question for you, but the the whole idea was that a bunch of YouTube people would get together. We would hang out with uh, one of the representatives from Bivvy and test the device. And then we would eventually provide content on uh, this new device that they're coming out with. So uh, it was you and I. And then who else did we have? Jason. Um, Jason from Hawk Outdoors. Yep. And then Amy Rout and Bryce Newbold.
1: Yep and what i mean it was an awesome group wasn't it oh my gosh it was so much fun they were such it was like the perfect group everybody got along everybody was great fun like it was just it was good it was a good time for sure like these are like you're you're out here like yes i could be friends with you people forever this is awesome (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, just just solid people and Pitt, who uh
0: from bivy he was the the marketing director for bivy was with us as well and that
1: guy's a, he's a character. He was a great oh, time. Dude, to. He's so funny. <laughs> he's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So the, I, yeah. So Bivy was definitely a, a, a huge motivator for us to get out there for sure. I mean, but it, you know, um, I, <laughs> I don't know that I would have been able to go out there if it hadn't have been for Bivvy. So that was like, Thank you, Bivy, <laughs> for bringing us out there because it was like, yeah, it was it was such an experience.
0: It was kind of like a a perfect timing kind of scenario. Oh yeah, for sure. And the and the stars just aligned for us to be able to make it happen. But yeah, and all of the, like the YouTube aspect aside and and the Bivy stuff aside, I just want to hear what it was like for you to get on a plane, land in Salt Lake City, and then. Kind of experience Utah as we drove from Salt Lake City to Moab,
1: and yeah. then to okay, the so and stud. So people are gonna think I'm nuts, but I did. I purposefully did not research Canyonlands. Like I knew from like a thirty thousand foot view what it was, but I had no clue what it really was, and I did that <laughs> on purpose because I didn't want to like have this false, you know hope you know something to be ruined like if my expectations were too high or whatever right so when when we were flying there i mean i was just i didn't even realize the mountains that were going to be there like i knew you know i knew so little about the actual flying into salt lake city and 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 driving to moab i had no idea what i was and so looking out the the car door was like (laughs) i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't i I didn't even want to blink it was so epic. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was awesome. And then, you know, when we were hiking, I didn't wait, wait, know. wait, wait, wait.
0: Can I can I back up? Yes, 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 back up. <laughs> sure. So, if any of you have have spent any time in Utah, or if you have driven from Salt, if you've, if you've driven from Salt Lake to Moab, it's the same. It's the same route to get there every time, and. Daniel I hope hopefully you remember this because it was kind of like the one of the, my favorite memories from the trip <laughs> at least conversation wise but we we pulled through price utah and i just remember you in the car you were like oh my gosh this is incredible <laughs> and i yeah, turned totally. and i turned back to you and i was like Ugh, I hate Price. <laughs> yes, I do remember that. This place is is not not pretty. And then we're sitting at dinner in Moab, and I'm telling Pitt that you were like so fascinated by how beautiful Price was. And I'll, uh, I'm, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, even though I try to keep this uh, this podcast uh, G-rated and no uh, no swearing or anything or any bad words, but. Pitt literally said, "Dan, Price is the butthole of Utah."
1: (laughs) Oh man, I would have had no problem living in the butthole of Utah (laughs) after I saw that. (laughs) I mean, it was yeah, Uh, the 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 epic beauty of what you guys have there. It was so funny because people that live out west that have like been born and raised there, and you know, they you know, they just they walk out their back door and they're in a mountain. You know, you have no idea. Idea what you have there. You just have no idea what you have there. It's you guys are so fortunate to have those those landscapes. And the big fear for me was like you know being out in those that places like even elevation because I live at like I think I'm at like maybe 600 feet of elevation. So wow. you know for I I'm acclimated here. So even at like six 000, seven thousand feet, you know I start to feel it. So. Yeah, it's yeah. But you just you guys just have no idea. You have no clue. I, I want I want you guys to come out here. I do. I would love to have you guys come out here and just let's just plan a trip and we'll go hike and then you guys will uh, you'll get to see what uh, the the Midwest is like.
0: Hey, I'm I'm all for it because <laughs> it it would at least for me it would be a different experience, and I mean it's like when I went out to Olympic National Park. I knew what I was going to be seeing, but I didn't quite comprehend what the experience would be like. And I think what I experienced when I uh, was able to backpack on the beach on the Olympic Peninsula Mm -hmm. and be in the rainforest and just that totally different, like I think I was able to finally experience what you got to experience but coming out, here oh to okay
1: desert. yeah 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 sure
0: that makes sense I hadn't, I hadn't really made that that comparison before not that I ever needed to but I mean at least here having this conversation it makes sense like I had never experienced that before I had never backpacked on the beach and like open water like that yeah and to be able to like walk through the forest and walk up to the edge of the ocean and then drop down onto the beach and hike the next 4 miles oh, or whatever
1: Oh gosh oh my gosh next to all so of
0: amazing. these like sea stacks and just have like your tent pitched right on the Pacific ocean. Oh my gosh. With waves crashing, like putting you to sleep.
1: Oh dude. And I'm like, I'm like going down memory lane and like how amazing that was. Oh my gosh. Let's do it. Let's go. Oh, oh man. Yeah. And now it's like, I can't even leave my yard. Right yeah. Now. There we are. Stuck. Oh my gosh. Oh.
0: That just like gave me a boost of happiness.
1: Yeah, uh, w- yeah well needed
0: <laughs> okay so now we're on the trail in Canyonlands national park what uh what's going through your head
1: okay great question so i guess i didn't so m- my perception of desert is like all i've known since i was a kid which is like you know what you see in movies the right? sahara yeah the sahara sand or whatever so i didn't you know i didn't expect what was there i mean even like seeing cactus to me was like so foreign that you know there's no cactus here you know so (laughs) um but the the most interesting thing to me i think was the sandstone because there's no sandstone here either so like to be able to watch you billy goats as i call you these utah native-born climbing freaks who can like scale anything not be afraid of the sandstone that they're stepping on was so foreign to me too, because like (laughs) I'm stepping on these rocks thinking my foot's going to slip. And it doesn't. Yeah. Like it just locks. It's like the the opposite. It's like very sticky. Yeah. It's almost like it's it's like, you feel like your foot has Velcro on it, you know? Yeah. And you're like, Oh wow. (laughs) But you know, to be able to learn to trust that over that weekend was even, it was, it was messing with my mind you know, thinking, so, um, you know, and then just how, how red everything is too. Like, I felt like I was on Mars. I kept telling me and me and Bryce kept talking about that. Like, I feel like we feel like we're on Mars. Like this, just like the landscape just is so red. And just so like, it's just different. It it was just, it was a new, um, just, it was just so new to me, totally foreign, but totally welcome at the same time
0: were there any aspects of being out on that trip cuz i don't know if we if we ever talked about this but i'm curious how so you you definitely have an understanding of your personal gear and how it works in the areas that you frequently backpack in the forest in the midwest but how how did your gear perform or not perform to your expectations being in the desert
1: yeah okay so um I should have brought my stakes for my tent. I should have brought longer stakes for sure. um, Because the night that we stayed uh, up against that Canyon wall where it was windy, my, my stakes kept ripping out. In Chesler park. Yeah. That windstorm, We had what, like 30, 35 mile an hour wind gusts. Easily, easily. Yeah, it was terrible. And then the other thing that, I, I would never do again was bring anything Dyneema, nothing Dyneema <laughs> really because <clears throat> that, that rock just, it's literally sandpaper. So yeah, I put, I put two holes in my, you know, $325 Dyneema backpack because I was ducking under some rocks to get through something. I don't know. Cause you guys have these weird rock, you know, channels that you have to climb through for some ungodly reason. I don't know.
0: So well there was like uh, that whole yeah. there was like that whole birth canal yeah, <laughs> section that, that was just like it really got really narrow. And yeah. I Remember you like looked at me and you're like, are you serious? This is what we're going through right now? And I was like,
1: hmm, there's a reason why Devin's not talking right now. He's just uh, protecting us from what's coming up next. <laughs> He's not gonna tell us what's happening, is there? No. Yep. Surprise, here's something else, you know. So Uh, Some other amazing adventure that we had to, you know, go over. And I remember at one point, Pitt was like, oh, yeah, I could come out here with my six-year-old daughter. I was like, dude, I will punch you in the face right now. I cannot believe you just said that. Pitt, I love you. If you're listening, I love you. I would never do that. But (laughs) yeah, so uh, yeah, Dynema, though, uh, do do not. Yeah, I would never bring Dynema out there again, ever. So I think those were the two things that I think everything else was pretty well planned. Cause you and I had talked a little bit. Um, I I underestimated the water. I really did. I thought, Oh, come on, there's going to be water, you know, but I had no idea, you know, again, we're in the desert, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Totally foreign to me. Yeah. So,
0: well, and within, we, I guess we did with the, the side hikes, it was about 20 miles of total time on the trail. But there were legitimately maybe three decent well, I just say good places for us to get water.
1: Yeah. In that whole yep. 20 mile section. Yeah. Yep. And and uh, I, I forgot what we carried. We I mean we were each carrying at least five or six liters, we had to admit, I think.
0: Yeah. So the first day we were maybe a quarter mile from camp. So we were in Lost Canyon. Yep. We camped at LC3 and I guess this is is pretty unique to the national park, at least for Canyonlands. You are required to to camp at designated backcountry campsites that you have to have on your permit. Uh, Just that's just the park service doing their job to uh, manage impact in that particular area. So we camped at, we camped at LC3 and I think we, I told everybody fill up everything you have. So it was anywhere from three to five liters of water. And then we filled up, we made sure, or at least I made sure that everybody had two liters as we left camp on the second day. Yep. And then once we got to the junction for Druid Arch, we did that side hike,
1: which what was it like to, to see Druid Arch? It was awesome. Although I didn't make it all the way to the top. It was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was, it, there's, again, there's nothing like that here. So to see something like that was just surreal. It was pretty That's cool. That's so
0: cool. That's so cool. Um, but yeah, and then we just kind of stumbled upon that other big pool of water
1: before we climbed
0: out of yeah, Elephant yeah. Canyon.
1: Yeah, that was like kind of freakish, like, oh, look, water. <laughs>
0: you're yeah. we like
1: oh thank you yeah.
0: yeah and it was the it was the last water that we saw until we got back to the car yeah that's right yeah uh, that was that was pretty much expected from me having been there on a on a trip previously but also understanding what what that area
1: is like so and the other thing i was interesting to me is that i was like thinking well there's tons of well not tons but there was areas where there was patches of snow and mm-hmm. it was like oh well no problem we'll just have this we'll just we'll just melt snow. But then you start to grab the snow and you realize it's full, like literally full of sand. Yeah. (laughs) And you're like, I can't use this. Like, what am I going to do? I'm going to be drinking sand here. Right. Or (laughs) or destroy my filter or something, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, is there anything else about Canyonlands that really stood out to you that you want to talk about?
1: I, it, I, I mean, I, I knew I was new, like, you know, Utah was this big climbing Mecca, but, um, what, what's, what's so interesting is like even bryce me and bryce coming out there i think we were the only two that really were so foreign to the play to the area Mm -hmm. and bryce is like a marathon runner but neither one of us are climbers at all so to to see just just everybody just climb essentially even though you're not (laughs) climbing to me it was climbing all right this was like climbing when it's i mean we were scrambling yeah you're a little little scrambling but like for wisconsin this is like legit climbing like i'm on a freaking cliff right now okay um yeah just to, to, to experience that was was pretty awesome um and just to be able to come up over the top of some some of these big rocks and the views oh my gosh the views the views were amazing amazing views so yeah
0: yeah that place is absolutely incredible i've got one like final but this is a pretty big question because I haven't talked about gear a lot with people that I've had on the podcast. And so I'm curious what Dan Becker's top three favorite pieces of gear
1: for backpacking guys. Like specific gear items, like brand and everything. Is that what you want to know?
0: It's up to you, man. man. I'm going to, I'm going to leave this to you. That's an open ended. That's an open ended question. Dan Becker's top three favorite pieces of gear.
1: Oh my gosh. That is such a good question. Um, I would have to say, and for the record, none of this is sponsored. (laughs) That's totally true, but you can sponsor (laughs) me if you like, I'm open. (laughs) No. Um, yeah. So I would probably say my, one of my favorite pieces of gear so far has been my tent, my tent, my, my tiger wall, my big Agnes tiger wall, UL two person tent. And, a lot of people love their Dyneema. They love their lightweight stuff, but I don't know. I just love this thing. It's so awesome.
0: Um, and
1: then I would probably say
0: my well, next – three- is, is there anything specific about the tent?
1: Because um,
0: it's funny for me to kind of bring back that windstorm that we experienced. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that tent in that windstorm in Candylands and in Chester Park. <laughs> in some of those gusts had yeah. literally like folded
1: flat to the ground. Yeah. Well, that was partially my fault the way I had it set up I think and it was unstaked in one corner cuz a stake flew out and I had the wrong stakes but in and I've had that tent up on a cliff in South Dakota during easily the same amount of wind and it thing that thing held up so I don't know but it's yeah um <laughs> don't knock my
0: tent. I think dude. no, I think it's just a testament to the the DAC poles. Oh and for sure. How amazing and strong those poles yeah. are that yep. these companies are using.
1: I, I don't know really. I mean all the major companies are using them. I don't think anybody's not if they're a major tent company. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're all doing it. So that that thing's pretty awesome. Um it's it's just it's so lightweight. It is so easy to set up. And I'm I'm even if I like had a freestanding tent cuz it's semi freestanding, I'm always staking out my tent no matter where I go. Even if I do too. I, I mean I feel like it just it it pitches better. It's it you it it opens up better freestanding if you don't have stakes it somehow pulls itself in a little you just you lose room. You know what I mean? So um, Yeah, and I talk about this anytime that I that I
0: discuss a like freestanding tent in one of my videos and I'm doing some kind of like education piece in my videos, it's always followed with, yeah, this is a freestanding tent, but in order to get the best performance out of it you've got to stake it out you
1: got to you won't even have a vestibule if you don't stake it out you know yeah. it's like so anyway my tent is definitely there and then probably the next favorite piece of gear is my new backpack that i've got i i well new. i've been using it for like six months now but i guess that's pretty new uh is my hyperlite mountain gear southwest 3400 backpack that thing is awesome i love that thing it is so comfortable so, so, so what,
0: comfortable. what about it makes it so awesome
1: it can hold more weight So I bring a lot of weight when I'm backpacking mainly because I'm filming. So I'm bringing like seven pounds worth of camera gear with me with, from the tripod to the DSLR to the batteries, all that stuff. And, um, it's a, it's a, like a 34 ounce backpack, maybe 32 ounce, like two pound backpack, but it can comfortably hold 30 pounds easily. Nice. Nice. So without having to like hurt myself. And I had a Z packs backpack that I used for probably three or four years and, that was that was struggling. That you get that thing over like you know twenty two, twenty three pounds, and it's it's a lot. It's hurting. Yeah, for but sure. even
0: even those like arc, what was it like an arc haul or arc blast? Yeah, it was arc blast. Yep. Yeah. That's not a frameless pack. No, nope, so it's got a frame. Yeah. What is what is it about it that it doesn't make know. it able? I don't know because I've never I've never well I've worn a Z Packs pack on the front of me when I carried josh ebersole's pack <laughs>
1: yeah
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other story poor guy had a, a knee issue when we were hiking in the Uintas. Josh is a subaru josh he has a, a not a very frequent upload youtube channel but he came out from ohio with tim watson and yeah i carried his pack on on my front side <laughs> to be able yeah. to make it so he could
1: those Z backpacks are good. I mean, it's a great backpack for what it can do. Um, you know, if you're, if you don't want a frameless backpack, if you want a framed backpack still, but you're trying to lower your base weight and you're carrying lighter weight gear, it's a good backpack. But for me, nice. increasing my filming and adding all that extra weight. So, like, now my base weight is probably, I mean, in the you know i'm looking at at least 15 pounds for a base weight like minimum sometimes it's 18 19 pounds for a base weight um i I can't i just can't do it it hurts it pulls on my shoulders um it's just not meant to carry that much weight interesting very interesting
0: okay so next piece of gear
1: next piece of gear would probably be my sleep pad yeah probably my sleep pad Um, you told me to buy this sleep pad. (laughs) I will, I will always tell, I will never take credit for the sleeping pad, but I'm such a huge advocate of it is the Nemo tensor, uh, insulated pad. That thing is, it's, it's the closest thing you're going to get to sleeping on a mattress, like from your house out in the back country. It is phenomenal. Now
0: I had told you to buy it after I had purchased and slept I don't know maybe a dozen times on my tensor Alpine so yeah. the more heavily insulated and it wasn't until a few weeks ago, I guess a month maybe two months ago now that I finally purchased the the tensor insulated myself yeah and I agree with you hundred well, percent it's I, it's so comfortable
1: it's okay so my my pad is I have the regular, wide version and i want to say like with the stuff sack and everything it's like 19 ounces or something like that and yeah it's a not lot, the lightest weight pad yeah so people would look at that and be like especially the ultralight guys are going to be like what are you kidding me oh my gosh but yeah you know what you wake up refreshed on that thing you're ready to go the next day you're not groggy it's comfortable and i have the 25 inch wide version so i'm not rolling off of it at night my elbows don't fall off of it you know it's like it's it's um, it's just so nice. So yeah, for sure. That, that's to be bad. Cause it, you know, like why am I going to go backpacking? And if I've got a big day the next day, if I, if I am hiking 15, 20 miles, which I've done, uh, the last thing I want to do is get no sleep. Right. right. I mean, that's terrible. That yeah, just yeah. ruins, that ruins the whole trip. You're going to be just miserable. Well, let me ask you this question. Do you find, cause I know that you sleep
0: with a quilt. Do you find that the 25 inch wide Pad is more difficult to use with a quilt than like a 20 yes. inch.
1: A hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Cause with a, with a 20 inch pad that quilt wraps up closer to you. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> and man, I have this argument with so many people. It's, it's such as it's always this back and forth. I, I just feel like a quilt is great. Don't get me wrong. There's so many good things about a quilt that make it beneficial if you're an experienced backcountry person, if you're not an experienced backcountry person, I, I, I don't think a quilt is the right way to go. That's just my personal opinion. I think it's, I've taken countless, like you have, because I know you teach people, countless beginners, like first timers. They've never been out in the backcountry before. And I've mm-hmm. let them use my quilts. And they're always, and I'll tell them, here's the sleep pads, here's this, or, or uh, you know, the straps. I show them how to set it up. I do everything I can to make it as comfortable as possible. And they're always having problems. Somebody's (laughs) always cold. Somebody who had a bad night's sleep, you know, something. And I'm just like, man, I should have just had them bring the sleeping bag. You know, the tried and true, the trusty, heavy, you know, sleeping bag. Yeah. But it made all the difference in the world. Oh, I
0: made a similar mistake like that. Good, good thing that this friend of mine that I took out with me has been <laughs> one of my best friends for many years now, but I was like, Hey, Dane, let's go and hammock camp up in, uh, in this, in this place. And it was like, here's just take this sleeping bag and you'll be fine. And I'd, like, we knew it wasn't going to rain or anything like that. It wasn't yeah. like weather wasn't going to be an issue, but I mean, we're at, higher elevation temperature got down to like 45 degrees overnight and i felt so bad because afterward i'm like why did i just say here here's this cheap oh, no insulation and just a sleeping bag i gave oh, him no i gave him a hammock <laughs> it easily is one of like the worst decisions that i've made oh no As like <sighs> had he slept in a hammock before i think he had like <laughs> just kind of randomly without like the intention of it it just was like you know you know when you're in high school you just do Okay weird, yeah weird, yeah yeah weird dumb things as a high school kid Yeah um, but i look back on that and i'm like why did i do that to him as well, i i i would say that i'm an outdoor professional i'm not an expert Yeah by any means but i mean i i instruct backpacking and <laughs> to give that kind of experience to my friend and just like, why did I I do that?
1: (laughs) No. Yeah. I, I, whenever I take new people backpacking, um, my, my ultimate goal is to get them to love it because I want people to go with, (laughs) you know, that's fair. So, so I do my best to make it as comfortable as I possibly can for people. So like my goal is, is to, you know, your experience is going to be like the best ever as best as I can make it for you. And I, and I feel bad when they're not comfortable. You know what I mean? It's like, I got to get them to love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're a good guy, Dan.
1: It's very nice of you. Well, you know, I try.
0: (laughs) Well, is there anything else that uh, you want to share with listeners out there of the backpacking experience podcast of Dan Becker?
1: Man, uh, you know what? I bet you there's people that listen to your podcast that have never gone before. They vicariously uh, backpack through it. There are a lot, a lot of new people doing. It. I just say uh, get out there and do it and love it, and you won't regret it. Try it. You'll be uncomfortable and miserable, but uh, <laughs> at first, but you'll you'll begin to love it. Yeah, no, I
0: I agree. So, if people are not already subscribed to your YouTube channel, how can they find you on YouTube?
1: Um just go ahead and type in the search bar Dan Becker and I will probably be the first person that pops up and uh, yeah, that's how you find me okay so here's here's a good like
0: parting question that just came to my mind oh boy what what's your favorite or one of your favorite videos that you've made?
1: Oh my gosh, and why I don't make good videos. my videos all suck oh um stop it. <laughs> <laughs> what is my favorite stop, stop video stop being humble I, yeah <laughs> um i don't know you know what i think it would probably be more one of my more recent ones it was uh, how to be how to sleep comfortable in a tent i was so proud of that i felt like yes this is it so i think that'd probably be one of my better ones
0: there you go now everybody has a video for there you go for them to go watch right on dan well awesome. super appreciate you hanging out and yeah. uh having a conversation about backpacking and Wisconsin and Utah and Canyonlands and all of that. Yep. Really appreciate it, man. Yep. I'm going to get out there again soon. All right. We'll, uh, we'll chat with you later. All right. Thanks man. Have a good night. Now I really want to say thank you to Dan for his time and for sharing just a little bit more about his personal life and everything Dan's a good guy and really appreciate his friendship and just go check out his YouTube channel. Dan is very different from a lot of the other backpacking niche focused YouTube channels out there. He does a great job, very personable type of person and would highly recommend checking out his videos and just getting to know Dan. (laughs) He's a fun guy. So thanks for listening to the episode today, guys. If you are not following or subscribed or whatever the word is to the podcast, whatever platform you happen to be listening on, please do so. Also, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, I would love for you to leave me a rating as well as a written review, so that I can see the things that you enjoy and what uh, you're getting out of the podcast. So it's the easiest way for me to see how people are enjoying the podcast. So. If you are on Apple Podcasts as a listener, give me a rating, leave a written review. I would absolutely love that. But until the next episode, guys, I hope you have an awesome week that you're staying healthy and safe and just having a good time with whatever you happen to be doing in your life at this point. Thanks again. We'll catch you on the next episode of The Backpacking Experience.